Welcome to another night of Warrior Reads. As always, make sure that you've handled anything before bed, that the room is dark, and that you're in a comfortable position. Remember, as you're listening, if you get excited by a story or interested, don't worry about it. Now is not the time for your mind to be racing. Now is the time for your mind to be resting. As always, we'll have copies of the recordings available on our website, as well as even the ability to order it should you want to in the morning. Now is the time for your reward for a good day lived or a reminder to be a warrior tomorrow. I'll give you about five seconds to clear your head and then we'll begin. Welcome warriors. Tonight, our selection is from the book Badass by Ben Thompson. Basically, this book is a compendium of some of the most badass warriors in history. Warriors who forged the modern world with their courage, strength, honor, and mastery, and their sheer relentless badassitude. Tonight we'll be diving into ancient Greece to hear the story of Alexander the Great, the man that couldn't be stopped and would wind up linking three continents into one empire before the Romans even had their cities built. Badass is written much like a conversation would go with your bros, talking about the heroes that inspire you over a game of beer pong, and it's a fun read. But more importantly, it's also filled with a ton of stories about real life heroes in history that not only inspire, but whose courage challenges warriors of today to continue to fight, to be the apex warrior that you were born to be. And Alexander the Great is the epitome of one of the five bone-crushing principles of complete and utter badassitude, as the book puts it. Never giving up and never surrendering. As always, you can read this book at any time in the future, and it's worth the read. But as you let go of the day and your wins and losses, and prepare for the rest that you deserve, you're invited to reflect on the courage and determination of Alexander the Great, and on your ability to be the courageous and relentless warrior needed for victory. Allow yourself to be inspired, to totally dominate your goals beyond all possible expectations of reason, and rest in knowing that your victory is already in your hands. So relax and enjoy. Alexander the Great from 356 to 323 BCE. There is nothing impossible to him who will try. Alexander the Third of Macedonia was a hardcore bastard who accomplished more towering deeds of heroic awesomeness in 33 years than most people could ever hope to dream of in their entire lifetimes, even if they used 100% of their brains. He was undefeated in battle, conquered most of the known world, and is remembered to this day as one of the greatest and most successful generals in the history of warfare. 
thanks mostly to his impeccable ability to annihilate faces and make the greatest military leaders of his era look like rejects who couldn't fight their way out of a convent. Alexander was the son of King Philip II of Macedon. Though he often claimed that his mother was actually sneaking around in cheap motel rooms with Zeus himself, and that he was related to the classical heroes Hercules and Perseus. After he conquered Egypt, Alexander also said that he was descendant from the sun god Amun. That must have been one hell of a threesome. I guess if your mom is going to screw around and have an affair, you could do a lot worse than the god of thunder. As a young man, Alexander was tutored by Aristotle, which is kind of like having Stephen Hawking as your algebra teacher or getting batting tips from the ghost of Honest Wagner. Aristotle taught him the cryptic art of philosophizing, introduced him to all the joys of adventurous ass-whipping in Homer's Iliad. And when the time came to put that knowledge into practical application at the Battle of Chaeronea in 338 BCE, Alexander led King Philip's cavalry against the legendary sacred band of Thebes and made them look like the sacred band of pussies, kicking their asses across Greece and wiping the fabled cavalry regiment out of the historical records forever. Two years later, King Philip was assassinated, leaving Alexander to take over as the sole ruler of Macedonia. As you could probably imagine, most of Alex's neighbors thought they could screw with the new 20-year-old king. Barbarians from the north threatened Macedonians' borders, while the city-state of Athens and Thebes took up arms and sent Alexander engraved invitations to bite their collective asses. At a time when most 20-year-old aristocrats would have crapped their pants and run off to get wasted on malt liquor, and sleep with drunk co-eds. Alexander raised an army and set about restoring order by delivering Judge Dredd-style death vengeance to anyone stupid enough to cross him. His military maneuvers were so decisive, effective, and rapid that he had already destroyed the barbarian armies and completely surrounded the city of Thebes before the bureaucracy there had even decided upon a plan of action. Alexander vanquished the Thebian army, executed everyone in the government, burned the city to the ground, and sold any surviving citizens into slavery. The next day, he received word that Athens had surrendered peacefully and was willing to bend to his iron will. They didn't want anything to do with that party. Simply unifying the Greek city-states wasn't nearly enough to satisfy Alexander's giant Ramsey-sized ego. However, as he had his sights set on something much more ginormous, namely the Persian Empire. As we've seen, the Persians had been screwing with the Greeks for a while now, and Alexander finally decided it was time to stick it to the folks who had spent the better part of two centuries 
battering his countrymen to death with red-hot waffle irons. As any good ruler did in those days, he consulted the Oracle of Delphi before marching 42,000 men into Persia. Her response? My son, you are invincible. You can't get a more emphatic answer than that. Of course, the most powerful empire in the world wasn't going to start dry heaving into a garbage can just because some punk-ass 22-year-old kid thought he was the baddest mofo of all time. So, the armies of the Persian king Darius III came out and met Alexander near the Granicus River in 334. It was there that the Persians finally realized what they were up against. The young Macedonian king led his heavy cavalry on a balls-out charge over the river, up a steep hill, and directly into the center of the Persian formation. Alexander himself spearheaded the assault, hacking up everything in his line of sight, and the Greek troops carried the battle. Darius tried to stick it to Alexander outside the city of Issus, but the Greeks put their dicks in the proverbial mashed potatoes once again. Despite having overwhelming numerical superiority, the Persian lines were smashed by the unstoppable Greek phalanxes and heavy cavalry formations. The ass-kicking was so complete, and Darius peeled out of there in such a rush that he forgot to take his family with him. Alexander captured them and took Darius's daughter as his second wife. The Greeks continued to move down the coast of Asia Minor, liberating the ethnically Greek villages they came across, and eventually entered Egypt, where Alexander founded the city of Alexandria, one of 17 cities he would name after himself. And he was received as a conquering hero, delivering the Egyptians from the fetters of the Persian tyranny. The only real resistance he faced en route to North Africa was from the heavily defended island fortress of Tyre. But something as insignificantly puny as impenetrable stone walls, unfavorable geography, and a complete lack of naval superiority wasn't going to stop Alexander from popping his enemies in the esophagus with a pipe wrench. He simply built a massive wooden bridge from the coast out to the island, loaded it with catapults, busted down the walls, killed every man inside, and sold the women and children into slavery. Awesomely enough, over time, the causeway he built was covered over with sand and has now become a permanent geographic feature, proving that Alexander the Great was so badass that he was even capable of making the earth itself his bitch. Not even life-threatening wounds could slow down this human torture track, and no amount of physical pain or suffering could keep him from personally leading his men on balls-out cavalry charges all over the Middle East. During his adventures slicing up dudes across the entire continent of Asia, Alexander was shot with arrows in both thighs the ankle, the shoulder, and the lung, stabbed in the head and thigh 
clubbed in the neck, smashed in the skull with the battle axe, bitten by a lion, and nailed with a rock that was launched out of a catapult. He also dislocated his shoulder, leaping off a horse onto one of his dismounted enemies. Hell, not even explosive diarrhea put a halt to his quest for ass-kicking. He once pursued a routed Scythian army for 12 miles while suffering from severe dysentery. Once the coast was secure, and all opposition was mercilessly crushed under his sandaled feet, Alexander set out to bust Darius in the mouth and end the war once and for all. Outside Gugamela, in 331 BCE, the two armies squared off in the ultimate battle for Persia. Darius picked the battlefield, fielded a force three times the size of Alexander's, and launched a massive attack spearheaded by several thousand scythed war chariots. But he was completely outclassed. The Macedonians metaphorically de-pantsed him right there on the battlefield, destroying the Persian army, annihilating the infamous immortals, and seizing control of their empire. Alexander hung out in Persia for a while, chilling with his three wives and countless mistresses, getting wasted, throwing gigantic rager parties, and accidentally burning the city of Persepolis into smoldering cinders in a drunken rage. Eventually, he got bored of living a life of inebriated luxury and headed east to India, where he faced off against armies of crazy war elephants and skilled Punjabi swordsmen. He donkey-punched all opposition he encountered, and once he had carved out an empire stretching out from the Mediterranean to the Indian Ocean, Alexander realized his work was done. So, just like that, the greatest conqueror in ancient history died randomly of a fever in 323 BCE at the age of 33. Some additional facts that you might find interesting are here. One apocryphal story has the Amazonian queen, Thalastris, bringing 300 hot, sexy, crazy warrior babes to Alexander's camp in the hopes that he would impregnate them and create a new race of supermen. There's no mention of whether or not this primitive eugenics program ever took hold, but that certainly seems like it would be a difficult proposition to pass up. The fabled Gordian Knot was a snarl of rope so absurdly convoluted that no human being could ever possibly hope to untangle it ever. There was a legend in that the man who unraveled the knot would be destined to be the greatest king to ever live. So of course, Alexander decided to take a look at the accursed thing. He glanced at the unholy mass of cordage drew his sword, and hacked the knot in half with one swing. Alexander's mother, Olympias, was a crazy nutjob. She was a member of a cult of Dionysus, which was kind of like an over-the-top, old-school swingers club. Their meetings usually consisted of getting high, drinking a ton of wine, worshipping snakes, 
and having extreme all-night orgies. She ran the show in Macedon while Alexander was out campaigning, usually busying herself by boiling people alive and executing anyone she considered a rival to her power in the most brutal ways you could imagine. Alexander rebuilt the temple of Artemis at Ephesus, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, which was originally burned down in 356 BCE. He was torched once again by the German barbarians in 409, and nobody has the heart to rebuild it a third time. But one of the real weapons wielded by Alexander was the Macedonian phalanx. The keys to his victory might have been his brilliant mind, his endless reservoir of courage, his mastery of battle tactics and weaponry and horsemanship. But it was also the honor that he held with his men, how they fought for him and his leadership abilities. And that's where the Macedonian phalanx comes into play. There wasn't a whole lot out there more effective at delivering ultimate face stabbing than the Macedonian phalanx. A massive, immovable wall of bronze shields and pointy death. The basic unit of the phalanx was a 256-man formation known as a syntagma, which was 16 men wide by 16 men deep. When it came time to skewer deep bags, the soldiers stood shoulder to shoulder, brandishing their massive 16-foot-long spears at their enemies and slowly pushing their way forward. Five ranks worth of spears protruded from the front of the formation, meaning that the poor bastards standing in front of this behemoth were looking at 16 men and 80 spear tips. The spikes were sharpened on both ends to make it easier to stab wounded and dying men as troops walked over and on top of them. And the spearmen also had a short sword they could bust out for close combat if the enemy somehow miraculously wasn't impaled by the inexorable push of the relentless pike wall. And so warriors, like Alexander, your mission is to never give up, never surrender, and always push forward to glory on your path.